We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this episode of Drinks with Binks, baseball's back, baby. And we've got MLB analyst and my good friend CJ Nikowski here to break down what we can expect from a shortened MLB season. What teams are going to actually benefit from a shorter season? How strict are clubhouses being with players on COVID regulations? And whether or not anyone really cares about what the Houston Astros did in the wake of a global pandemic. Bottoms up. Hey guys, welcome on in to Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart-Binks. We are still staying home to stay safe. This is the place I broadcast the show, also eat my breakfast, and send all of those lovely emails to everyone because we literally do not leave this place because we are still dealing with a global pandemic right now. And actually, surprisingly, we're going to see baseball return this week. At least that is what we are looking forward to at the moment. We'll deal with NBA and NHL and maybe NFL at a later point, but baseball's back, baby, and we are so excited. It's a shortened MLB season. It's going to be very different, but it is also almost like we're just entering into the playoffs. This is a marathon, and we're sprinting it. And for that, I'm very excited to welcome in today's guest, my good friend and former MLB pitcher, current MLB analyst, CJ Nikowski. CJ, I know you're super busy. You're already calling games. You're all over the map, but happy to have you here on the show today. How are you doing these days? It's good to be with you. It's good to see you and talk with you and catch up a little bit. And uh, man, the idea of baseball getting started, it took longer than I thought it ever would. Uh, but we're going to get real live games. We've already seen some of the exhibitions, and it's going to be fantastic. I think we all need it really badly. Yeah, and for you, CJ, you are coming from a hotel room ahead of broadcasting a game, which means you are not in your house. How does mm. it feel to sort of, I don't know, take a, a step out of the quarantine life and return to a little bit of normalcy? It was a big step. So I live in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in the off seasons, but you know, work here uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area covering games for the Rangers. Uh, in Arlington. So I had to get on my first airplane uh, the other day for the first time in a really long time. And uh, it wasn't too bad, you know, quite honestly, just the idea of getting back out of the house and doing some things that, of course, were a part of everyday life, especially for me, as you well know, all the heavy travel that comes along with working uh, in this industry. And that was always like a a big normal. This was a lot different, uh, but it really wasn't too bad. I I think I have noticed it's it's interesting when we go through these things as a country where there's something really big that we're all involved in that you have a large amount of people, I think, that are very empathetic. They're a little bit more polite. Uh, everyone's kind of like, yeah, we're going through this together. And then you have also the really stressed out group, too, um, that yeah. maybe is not, uh, you know, they're a little bit more on edge. So I saw a little bit of both uh, in the airport. I saw a couple of people getting into a spat about, I think, getting too close to each other and a guy yelling and screaming on his phone. But then I noticed it also, for the most part, seemed a lot more quiet. People were more polite. Uh, you know, again, you know this from heavy travel. Like the idea of respecting personal space, we were having an issue with that, I think, in general in our country. I think there was an opportunity maybe for some room for improvement. Well, now we're giving each other tons of space. You know, like the idea of um, getting on an airplane and boarding an airplane and how crazy crowded it would get as everyone was trying to get on that plane. That was gone. Now, the flight is only probably at about 50 or 60 percent capacity, but that part of it was was actually pretty nice. I'm surprised to hear that because people – 
people suck first of all but then people just mm-hmm. suck on planes they're just the yes. worst everyone forgets how to be a person and it's just anarchy so mm-hmm. are you saying then that like it's it, people are better or are we still seeing jerks like are we uh, seeing, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're seeing lots of jerks and idiots on planes i don't know if we'll ever eliminate completely that population but you know it was nice the idea so also when we landed everybody didn't stand up now I don't. I don't. I'm not completely against that idea because I. I know. Listen, as a taller guy, you know, I'm six three and a terrible posture. I'm achy. Like so, if I just if I did a cross country flight, I would. Sometimes I want to stand up just because I'd mm-hmm. like to get out of my seat after sitting there for five hours. But the idea of like everyone cramming in the aisle a lot of times after you've landed always seems unnecessary. There was none of that. Uh, you'll appreciate this. We always say how polite Canadians are, right? I think the guy that was across the aisle from me. We had a lot of like, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. Yes. It was like, like, all right, let's see who can be even the most polite. And he was ended up being most firm, so I got up before he did. Um, but that kind of stuff, I did see. It was one flight. Maybe that'll change. I'm, I don't have to travel too much. I actually have to do about, uh, I think it's three trips. So I'll, I'll have six flights for the season. That's it. Um, and so maybe I'll, it'll be a small sample size. But to start things off, I was pleasantly surprised uh, overall. And, and I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope for the future. Okay, well, that is really great to hear. That's also known as the Canadian stop sign when you are stopped at a four-way and you're like, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go, and you're just there all day. Um, But, CJ, sometimes people like to indulge in a beverage on a plane Mm. to calm their nerves. We like to indulge in beverages here on Drinks With Thinks, and you are broadcasting a game today, so I wasn't going to force alcohol down your Thank throat, you. which I probably would have anyway. But what do we got here today? What are we drinking? Uh, so it's actually, it's a nice coffee morning for me. And so, you know, uh, where I stay in the hotel here, sorry about the shine off my plastic cup. That is life uh, in a hotel, as you well know. But uh, a little bit of iced coffee for me without the ice. But I am iced coffee all year round. No matter, it could be zero degrees or 110 degrees. It's iced coffee for me all the time. And so uh, a little bit of heavy caffeine uh, to get me through the first part of my day. A little heavier caffeine to then get me through right. the, uh, the second and part. And then of my heaviest day. caffeine at the end of the night. That's I right. have my uh, actually in a Toronto mug. Hadn't really up right. oh, nice little lipstick stain there too. Glad that we are bringing our best effort to the show. Uh, an assistant about that one. <laughs> yes, yeah, my production assistant is slacking. And then I also have a nice little. Well, it's I have no air conditioning on, so this drink is mm. um, it's sweating. But this is a glass of water, and for those of you who can see up close, what it says on it is drinks with Binks. You can't really see it that well, but this is courtesy of Abby Malangone, my production assistant sister, sent me this nice little drink. So Very nice. You're showing off with your ice and your glass that you get to drink out of. Plastic cup, no ice for me. Yeah, this is this is how we do it in quarantine right now. Not a lot of booze, but we're healthier for it. And CJ, so we're we're drinking some iced coffee. We're drinking some water. You are getting ready for a game right now. So we're under the understanding. We're very excited. Sports are coming back. We also understand it's a very different world. It's um, you know in the midst of a global pandemic. Take me through. You're getting ready to actually calling the game, calling it, mm-hmm. and maybe what are the biggest differences. Yeah, so I think, you know, from, as far as what's going on this year, the difference is the biggest one is going to be obviously no crowd noise. And so how we call the game, that'll be part of it. But from a prep standpoint, like I just got a text message a little while ago from the Rangers listing off who we're going to get to talk to via Zoom today. Right. The idea there is no mingling in the clubhouse. There's no finding players talking to them on the side, maybe spending a little bit of time with the manager. My my situation as a broadcaster is a little bit different than the writers. Right. The writers are always looking for stories and they're going to dig in and it could be positive or negative for me as a home broadcaster. I'm always looking for the positive spin or I'm always looking for some insight to bring fans into exactly what a player might be working on. What is he thinking about? Coaches are really good uh, for that as well. And so those conversations have gotten limited. They're pretty much near impossible to have on a one-on-one basis unless you have a personal relationship with a coach or a player. Of course, you can text them and call them. So the Zoom calls are big. Uh, I will mostly just listen in on those and let the writers ask their questions just because they have a, they, they got a job to do. They have to get a couple of columns out uh, per day. And so I try to step back. I'll, I'll jump in every once in a while and ask a question if I have something that's, that's kind of on my mind. But the way the clubhouse works, kind of the politics of being a writer is pregame. Let's just say Evan Grant, who writes for the Dallas Morning News, is talking to Joey Gallo in front of his locker. No other writers are allowed to come over. It's kind of the etiquette of, among them because it's a kind of exclusive time. That's gone. So these guys have a real challenge right now as far as trying to come up with something unique. But for me, it works to my advantage 
because they're asking all of their questions now in front of all of us. So if there's something maybe that I hadn't thought of or something that I had missed, they're going to ask the players. That part of it uh, has been both good and bad, but I'd say on my side, it's been really helpful. I just sit there, I open up a Word document, and I'm taking notes on every single player or whatever, if the manager's talking about that player or if it's that player specifically. Uh, and so that part has, has been kind of good. And I wonder for the players who talk about the future of the game and, and through all of this, what's going to stick going forward and what might not stick. I, this won't stick long term, but I don't doubt that the players love it because there's oh, no yeah. media in the clubhouse, right? The idea, and I think baseball probably has some of the most access. I don't know how it is. You know better than I would in hockey. Yeah, uh, But they the do. idea that there's a 45-minute window now that's pre-batting practice. So they really have done a good job of, of trimming down the time. Uh, but I think the players would be all about this if they could going forward to keep the media out. I don't think that'll happen. Um, yeah, and, and I think that that's going to be the case in a bunch of other sports too because then you know whether you're a manager or an owner or a commissioner really the lack of media helps you because mm -hmm. there's a limited opportunity for someone to say something stupid yes but also to your point then you don't have to ask any tough questions especially as a, a team employee you, you mm -hmm. can just listen to the answers yeah and i know that this is just one of the many things that you have to go through we have to take a quick time out but we want to hear a whole lot more about what it is like to broadcast during covid and what we can expect from a shortened mlb season we've got cj nikowski stay with us here on drinks and things Hi, I'm Roman Rojas, and on the first episode of the Roman Rojas podcast, I talked to my friend Danilo Alvarez about how a night of fun and partying in Cali, Colombia, ended up with him being kidnapped, along with his girlfriend Geraldine, and how they were able to get out of this horrible situation. Join me every week in my conversations with people that have incredible stories to tell. Subscribe to the Roman Rojas podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite platform. Hi, I'm Kevin Burkhart, and I had drinks with Binks. Hey, guys, welcome on back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB. We've got former MLB pitcher, current MLB analyst for Fox MLB Network and the Texas Rangers, CJ Nikowski. We were hearing what it's like now to get information. The interviews are all through Zoom. It's a very virtual world as MLB looks to return, is returning this week. And so let's pick it up from there. You get your information, you get your interviews from these these Zoom calls. There's no clubhouse access. There's no uh, meeting with guys after batting practice. What happens next for you to then be able to get to the point where you're calling a game? So it's been interesting that, you know, all of the websites and things that we have access to, and there's a lot of pay stat services that really do a great job. We use Inside Edge. Uh, we use Sport Radar this year. Um, they've been fantastic. And, I, you know, I've been doing team games now. This is my fourth year. I was doing national stuff for a while when we were both at FS1 and, and doing studio and games. Uh, and it took me, a little bit of, uh, took me a little while to really streamline my prep to get it, you know, where you want to. There's so much information out there. And you have to be careful, and I think it's, it's always a work in progress as far as the data and the information we have and what really works on a broadcast, right? I have to be very careful. Like, I find something interesting, but, you know, maybe 10% of the audience might find that little kind of nugget that's a little stat-heavy, a little bit nerdy, uh, find it interesting. And so trying to find the balance and figuring out exactly what is best for a game, I think, is always kind of evolving. So I do have to be careful not to over-prep and not to throw too many numbers at people and talk over their heads. And you always remember kind of who's watching the game and why are they watching the game. So there's a new younger audience that does that is hungry for that stuff. But then, of course, you have your core audience who's been watching baseball for 30, 40 years that doesn't want to do math when they're watching a the game. They want to have a drink with Binks and just relax and watch yes. the game. Kind of, so you can't forget uh, that audience. So there is a balance in there somewhere. But I have some really great – we have great access to a couple of those different sites. And I've gotten to the point now where I do less writing – uh, and more that I have the websites up with the players that I want. You can kind of custom make your reports and, and you start to find those things that people like. So we may talk about, you know, a pitcher's pitch repertoire as an example. What percentage does Kyle Gibson use his slider? What was the batting average on that pitch? Whatever it may be. Is it his best strikeout pitch? You know, things that I think could make sense that if you explain them properly and explain them quickly, fans can kind of wrap their brains around it. Because mm -hmm. I do think it's part of our responsibility to bring them along to where we are, this kind of new age in statistics. Again, without making it boring, try to. And not talk over their heads, really, really important. And so there, there's things like that that these websites that we have access to um, that are great, uh, that are great for that kind of information. The stories, I think, are important. As many personal quotes as you can have, we'll bring into our broadcast very often. Make sure I have that stuff ready to go. 
What did, what did Chris Woodward, the manager here with the Rangers, say about this player or what he's working right. on or what he wants to see from him or why is he batting second, not eighth anymore? All of those things, I think, are really important to have um, in hand. But nowadays, it can happen so quickly. I mean, again, I was an over-preparer. I can go to the ballpark now, maybe even two hours before the game, and, uh, and go kind of get my setup, make sure I have everything where it needs to be, fill out my lineup card. I do like to kind of keep score. I do it on the iPad now. So we write it instead of uh, using the paper, but write it on the iPad, which is really kind of helpful. And so you can access all your old scorecards very easily uh, doing it that way. So a lot of digital scoring that's going on. And then we usually go over elements about an hour before the game, which means we go over all the graphics, everything that has been built for the day. What kind of video do we have? What are we going to do for an open? Uh, go grab a bite to eat. Make sure you got your makeup on, which, uh, you know, being at a studio, now I got to do my own makeup, my own wardrobe. I miss oh, those man. days at Fox where we were spoiled. And, uh, and then tape an open or you know, usually we do an open live like the very beginning of the show. But because there's no fans, we, we tape them now. And so we'll tape an open maybe 15 minutes before the game. And then it's, it's first pitch at 7.05. Okay. So from all of that, I gathered that much of your routine has not changed at all during this. Um, not really. No. Yeah, Outside so of the interaction with the players. Have, do you have – do you get like temperature checks? Do you have yeah. to – like what sort of those types of things you have to do? So I'm what they call a tier three uh, level person, which is essentially the media, the players, the coaches, those that are interacting with each other on the field are considered tier one. You get into your uh, front office uh, folks and those that are stadium operations, a lot of them will be end up being tier two. They have these different tiers because they're based on how often you need to be tested, where do you have access, those kinds of things. So me as a tier three uh, member of the media, they just they, they take your temperature as you walk in, they check your bag and off you go. Now, I did have to get a COVID test to get started. But as far as I know, outside of feeling any symptoms, I don't think that we will be doing no. uh, very much. I don't know. As a tier three, tier yeah. one, they're every other day. But the interaction is limited and especially here at this ballpark. So there's actually a couple of different things that uh, happen now because of COVID. First of all, we have a new ballpark here. So the written press is actually a level above the broadcast booth. So there's not nearly the interaction with as much members of the media as there once was. And so it's me and my partner, Dave, in the television booth. And the new TV booth at Globe Life Field is ridiculously big. I mean, it is humongous. So we have no problem keeping our space. We're six feet from each other when we're calling the game. We're six feet from each other while we're shooting our open, like really far apart, um, which, is, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the stage manager is in there, uh, but they limit the traffic inside the booth now, too. So that's a really big part of it. We do have a piece of plexiglass that we can put in between us if we want to. I kind of joke around that um, once, you know, once we're in there in that booth, I'm like, I tell Dave Raymond, my partner, I said, listen, man, you're in my germ circle now. There's no getting out of it. So once you're in it, I'm not saying that we're going to be sitting right next to each yeah. other, but it's really difficult when you're spending that much time with one person to really try to keep it a strictly social distancing. It's almost like it's a member of your family um, at that point. So it's, mm -hmm. it's different. You have to wear a mask. I can take it off once I'm in the booth, but you have a mask on the entire right. time. So I live Good. pretty close by and all that kind of stuff. So. There, there's definitely a lot going on uh, as far as uh, those things in the safety protocols. Yeah, and then I guess uh, I think that the contingency plan would be like, what if you show up to the stadium one day and you your temperature is not able to go in? And then it's like, okay, well, I guess we don't have CJ for the broadcast today, right? Back like to the hotel and call the game from there, I guess, maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So there are, there are plans in, in that regard. Um, mm -hmm. I would, I, yeah, and then I, I always wonder, like, is the, the Spider-Man meme, if you ended up seeing someone in, like, Tier 1 and they saw you in Tier 3 just by chance, and you're like, we're not oh, supposed yeah. to see each other, you know? Um, but you did mention that, you know, you have all these stats and information, mm -hmm. and you want to weave them into the game. I was watching your game on Tuesday night, Texas against Colorado, and I, you know, you do notice there is a lot more time for you to talk and tell these stories because there's no, like, and make a clap, do, 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 you know, none of that sort of in, yeah. in stadium stuff. Uh, Is there, in a way, a, a sense of pressure to entertain more? We'll see. I, I, I've, I've thought about this the entire time, and how do we handle this? And I'll try to watch as many games as I possibly can and see who's doing a better job than others. I don't know if I have a definite answer to that. There's something to be said at a baseball game for that silence, and you have to be comfortable with silence. I struggle with it. You can tell, right? You've known me for a while. I talk a lot. But the silence is something that um, it scares me because there's no fan noise. We have the piped-in fan noise, mm -hmm. and I think they do a pretty good job with it, but obviously people know there's not fans there. 
And yeah, like because uh, you know, I always I'm curious if they will have the the build up of the fans being like, oh. <laughs> They're doing a great <laughs> job with it, actually. So far, I watched a couple of our webcasts where they started doing it, and it's ha- the TV people aren't doing it. It's happening in the stadium, you know, PA and then the ballpark entertainment people that are doing it, and so far so good. They, I think our Rangers as a group has done a really good job of bringing up moments. Right, all of a sudden there's two strikes, you have a chance to finish off the inning. Maybe there are a couple of runners on base, and they do start to build it up, and it gets louder. Dave and I will joke about how the fans are really getting into the moment. I uh, love you can't that. Help yeah. but say it. You know what I mean? Have some fun with it. But can't. so far, I will tell you, I was I wasn't sure I felt about it when I first heard. It, I was like, ah, is that going to be? You know, what's that going? How's that going to play? I'm really grateful that we have it. It, it completely changes the the ambiance, the atmosphere, and how you feel while you're calling the game. I can see that from your perspective, also from players' perspective as well, as that's something that has been very normal in their series of circumstances growing up since a kid. we got a whole lot more we want to get to with CJ Nikowski and the return of the MLB season. Don't go anywhere, guys. This is Drinks with Binks. We've got coffee and water. Wild show. <laughs> Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Nope, it's from Geico because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hi, I'm Boog Shambi, and I had drinks with Binks. Welcome back into Drinks with Binks. We've got CJ Nikowski from the Texas Rangers, former MLB pitcher, current analyst for, of course, the Rangers, MLB Network, and Fox, and... CJ, um, you know, we were discussing the differences in, in the broadcast, and you just told me in the break that you guys will be calling the road games from your home stadium. How is that going to work? That's a great question. We're going to find out here pretty soon. Of course, it's a 60-game goal. Uh, 30 of those games will be on the road. I'm doing a, a pretty good bulk of them. I know I'm doing 47 overall of the 60 um, but I know a good amount of those will be the road games, if not all of them. So uh, that part will be interesting. You know, think about when you when you call a game, depending on where you're seated in the state, seated in the stadium. Like our broadcast booth now is a little bit higher up, which is just that's just part of the trend that teams understand the value of where the broadcast booths used to be. It's a great place for suites, or it's a great place to have other seats. And so broadcasters have gotten moved around. You see it in Washington, Pittsburgh, all the new ballparks. It happens. It's part of it. But what that does is it does force you a little bit to watch the game more on the monitor, maybe then to watch it in person uh, because you can't see as well. And that's okay. That's just kind of the way that it goes. Not a big deal. But this will really get put into practice now when you're actually not even at the game. Now, I've seen other sports try to do it at times uh, here and there, especially for international competitions. I I can't imagine you probably have been involved or at least know people Mm -hmm. that have been involved in doing those kinds of things where you're not at the event but calling it. The question I think becomes for us is exactly what our monitor setup is going to be. You know, it's one thing to watch the program, the main thing that everyone else is seeing. But uh, what I'm worried about and what I'm concerned about, two things. One is the idea that you know, as I'm watching the game from my perch above home plate is a lot of times I'll see something that the camera doesn't get. And, you know, you get in your producer's ear and say, hey, I think the left fielder went left first instead of right. Look, I got a bad break or something happened in the field that nobody saw. Then they can start looking around their cameras to see if they can find that. And then they'll and then they'll show it to you in what we call our ISO. And they'll, hey, is that what you're looking for? Yeah, that's it. Let's show that. That goes away, right? That's not going to be there. Now, they are talking about having all nine of the cameras or, I guess, uh, you know, split up on one screen and on a separate screen for us to see so that we can see everything that every cameraman sees and camera woman uh, in the ballpark. Uh, that might help. It's going to be weird, though, because that's also going to be very busy. And the idea of trying to track that while watching and calling the game, um, I think, could be a real challenge. So I'm concerned about that. The other thing I'm concerned about is we're doing what they're calling world feeds. So instead of the Fox Sports Southwest team being on the road, say, in Anaheim to call an Angels game, everybody is back in, in Dallas. And the group that's doing the game is the same feed that's running the home feed. At home and road feeds are always different. So you're basically going to get the home feed. So because of that, I can't call for replays. So we will be at kind of the mercy of what they're doing. 
I hate that part, right? Because you like to think that as an analyst, you can find a way to be insightful, to see something that hopefully the fans didn't get, and then you can teach them something or show them something that's, you know, hopefully at least a little bit uh, interesting. You lose all of that power. And so the idea of just basically going off of what the other team is doing is what you're going to be confined to. And I get it. We're making a lot of sacrifices here and, and less people traveling. People feel more comfortable doing that. And that's why that's happening. Uh, but I know I'm going to I'm going to miss that part a lot, not being able to, to call for replays or certain angles on things, whatever it may be, or even call for a live camera shot. You know, that's yeah. one of those things. I don't do it too often, but you can get in a producer's ear and I may say something like, hey, give me the high home view here because I want to show the way that the defense is set up. I want to show, you know, whatever it is, what's going on uh, in the field. And so they'll allow you They can't ask for too often, but they'll allow you once in a while. Uh, to ask for a certain shot, that goes away as well. So it's going to be uh, – we're going to do our best to make sure it doesn't come across as a lesser broadcast, but I think fans are probably the ones that are really intuitive may be able to pick up on some of the things that are different during those rooms. Yeah, the, the replay bit is interesting because it's essentially someone else deciding what sort of uh, deserves a replay, and then that might be just like sprung on you, and you're like, okay, I guess yeah. I'll talk for another well, 15 yeah. seconds on this thing that might not be that interesting. <laughs> Well, exactly. And think about this, right? So if the Rangers hit a home run on the road and Joey Gallo hits a 500-foot home run and it's an amazing swing, we're going to show it more. We normally would. In Texas, the Anaheim Angels, Los Angeles Angels fans, they don't want to see that 10 times over, <laughs> but the Ranger fans do, right? So there's going to be that. So hopefully what's going to happen is that producers in those spots will understand that this is going to both teams, so we can't just go yeah, the home team heavy on every replay. No, that makes sense. Um, so many questions I want to get to. Uh, just one last question on the broadcast. Mm -hmm. As you know, I'm a former sideline reporter, uh, current, I don't know what, court jester in my own house <laughs> drinking. And a number of my friends are sort of concerned about their sideline jobs because of the fact that they can't have access to players. What do you feel, especially for baseball, in terms of that role? Yeah, so I think the role becomes more important than ever. I'm a huge fan of what our sideline reporters do and what they bring to a broadcast. You think about calling a game for three hours and the insight that they can bring uh, to a game, moving around the stadium. Now, we're at a little bit of an advantage right now because we're in a new stadium. So Emily Jones, who is our main sideline reporter, has been doing it for years here with the Rangers. Last night or Tuesday night kind of made her way around the stadium and showed some different things. And we can probably continue to do that, some of the features of the stadium. So we have that advantage. She also has a really good relationship with the club house and the players that has been going on for a long time so she can still get that access but I think it's really important uh, to bring them into the broadcast even more because again there's no crowd noise there's going to be times where the game's going to feel more dead than usual and you know you've done this you've been in that spot where you get burned once in a while and you're doing a, a sideline bid on maybe something a coach told you or maybe it's a stadium feature what's ever going on and then all of a sudden action breaks out on the field and you're trying to get off of that as quickly as you possibly can because it's back-to-back -back doubles on three pitches and all of a sudden the Rangers have the tying run at the plate and maybe you're talking about something that's not associated with the game specifically at that moment. You get caught in those spots sometimes, it happens, but I'd rather take that chance of having some of that content available uh, during the game because especially baseball, things have a tendency to move a little bit slower. So because of that, I think it's on teams, right? Especially if you're doing things like college football, the NFL, where you're not there every day the way we are with baseball that these PR departments give access to the sideline reporters, whether it's via Zoom, via phone, whatever it may be, and set aside some time, let them make requests for three or four people over in, in the baseball situation, maybe over before a series starts or during a series, so they can tr start to dig a little bit. And Because everybody wins, right? Everybody wins in that situation when it goes well. Your fans win because they're sitting there and they're listening to a story about one of your players. Your sideline reporter wins because they're bringing great content to the broadcast. And then, of course, even um, the player ends up winning because there's usually a good story about that player or some good insight to what uh, might be going on with him or her on the field. So I, and I hear what you're saying, uh, but I think it should be the exact opposite. I think that these folks should be highlighted more. They should be given more access. And there's a big place for them on the broadcast now more than ever. Great. I absolutely love to hear that. And especially when you're trying to talk through a game with no crowd noise and no weird little activities going on on the big screen, mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to, for us to hear more from sideline reporters, of which, yeah. as I know, many of their stories never get broadcast just oh. because that was how the game always was. But glad to hear that support. we got a whole lot more to come with CJ Nikowski here on Drinks with Binks. Don't go anywhere, guys. we got baseball. It's coming back, at least for a little bit. <laughs>
GEICO knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that GEICO always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. GEICO Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome back to Drinks with Binks. We've got CJ Nikowski here, former MLB pitcher, current MLB analyst. And as you are watching this, he is broadcasting a regular season MLB game. And we got 60 games down from 162 because of a global pandemic. And there was also a lot of other CBA-related BS that went on that we'll mm-hmm. get to another time. But I will say that um, while we are excited that baseball is coming back, we still have to acknowledge that this is during a very, uh, you know, unprecedented, difficult time for everyone in the world. And so just right off the bat, I know you are uh, an employee of a baseball team and we all want to see this succeed. Mm-hmm. But what would MLB be looking at most um, most cautiously as we proceed as an area that needs to go well so that this doesn't shut down. Yeah, so listen, they're doing an unbelievable job. I don't know if you've seen the numbers. They'll release them, you know, every week or so. I mean, they're testing their players every other day. That also means their coaches, everybody that's involved. Like a really heavy spread of this uh, COVID-19 among players would be a huge problem. We see guys that are testing positive. Fortunately, a lot of them do seem to be asymptomatic. Not all of them. Uh, but a lot of them do. So that's somewhat encouraging. Uh, but if there's some reason, somehow, some way, we ended up with a really big outbreak, that, that would become a problem. And, and Major League Baseball certainly knows that. we have already missing some of the bigger names in the sport that have decided not to play. Buster Posey, David Price are a couple of those. I mean, if that trend had gotten bigger, that might have been a problem maybe uh, potentially for Major League Baseball. But it is the idea of making sure uh, that you're keeping everybody healthy. And I think so far, so good. The numbers, the positivity rate is, is so far below of what we're seeing nationally. So I've been encouraged by that. Uh, the players are doing a really good job. They have There's MLB protocols for the players, and then there's also what the teams are mm-hmm. um, asking their players to do on their own. And so that's been really important. Just the idea of no spitting, no tobacco. What about when you get on the road? You know, is it okay to go out to lunch? A lot of players and teams are saying, no, we'd prefer you to stay home. Let's just knock out these two months. Give it everything you have. Let's not take any chances. Uh, There's personal accountability. There's accountability to your teammates. And then if teams need to take action, I think they would. And then you get to the league, right? If things really got bad and the league had to step in, um, they would. You know, the COVID-19 injury list is what they're calling. It has no minimum day spent, right? Our, Our injured list has 10 days minimum. So if you get hurt and you go on the IL, you're out for a minimum of 10 days. They actually dropped that down from 15 for this year specifically because it's a shortened season. But with the COVID IL, you could be on it for two or three days. You just have to make sure that you have two negative tests that were taken 24 hours apart to be able to get back on the field. And uh, I, so far, like I said, so far so good. I think they've done a really nice job. We know teams are going above and beyond to keep their clubhouses clean, what they're doing in the dugouts. You see a lot of the video and, and pictures from around the league, expanded dugouts, expanded bullpens. Finally in Boston, those bullpens are some of the worst in the league because you're right. The, player, the fans are right on top of you, and there's just no room there. It's so tight. It's crazy to think that that's still a big league bullpen. Well, this year, those relievers will get to sit in the right field stands during the game. Yeah, they so will be by sure those Red Sox. Oh, I know. Yes. That's what they should do is pump like, places like Philadelphia, New York, and Boston, pump in some of that crowd noise into the bullpen that you usually get as a visitor. It's great. not very pleasant. But I think they're doing a great job. And, you know, hopefully um, the numbers continue to be really, really low the way that they are. And hopefully, God forbid, nobody gets significantly sick or worse. That that obviously would be tragic for our sport. Uh, but I think that things right now are, are pretty much under control. Yeah, and I know with, with some of this you mentioned, you know, the, the teams are wanting to take this very seriously. They're, the players, no one wants to obviously get this because, as we've seen with MLS, it can wipe out an entire team in terms of being a part of the return to play. But people are also people. And as we've seen, people are getting sick of staying home, of doing the right thing. They're going out to bars, they're going out to restaurants, much to um, the fact that they shouldn't be doing that. So how much onus do you think the players feel on themselves to really, really take this seriously, and what what then is the narrative in these clubhouses to say, hey guys, like we don't want to be known as the team that messes this yeah. up. Yeah, and you listen, you know this from being an athlete that you love your teammates, you respect them, but they're not always on the same page as everybody, right? There's always a loose cannon or two that 
may be perfectly fine breaking the rules, may be selfish, right? You don't get to pick your teammates in professional sports, and so that does become a concern. I don't doubt that teams and teammates have probably identified a guy or two that they get a little bit concerned about, whether it's because of past history or just even the things that are being said around the clubhouse, right? You'd hate to have that teammate that's, you know, spreading conspiracy theories in the clubhouse and not taking things seriously and can't wait to take his mask off or make fun of other people for following protocols. Like, those are the guys that you would worry about and keep a close eye on. So not having been in any of these clubhouses, I don't know, but I'd love to think that the 30 players that are going to be making these opening day rosters to start the season are 30 players that all understand that one mistake could really be very costly uh, to not only yourself, but to somebody else, right? I mean, I am in the camp of I'm not too concerned about the young, healthy group and what this virus has done to them, but it, that's not how it works. It's the idea that one guy makes a mistake while you're, you know, on the road in Seattle. All of a sudden he has it, but they doesn't even know it. Gives it to somebody else who gives it to somebody else's grandmother. And all of a sudden you have a tragedy on your hand. And that's the part that I hope would like to think that really resonates uh, with these guys. It's not just themselves. It's not just their teammates and keeping the game going. Uh, but it's everybody else that can be involved in this thing that is so difficult to try to control. And remember this, too. There are coaches that are not coaching this year because of their age. And because they're a little bit more high risk, there are some people with some medical conditions as well that have put them at high risk. Some that are still out there, like the fact that Dusty Baker is still going to manage, like good for him. It's great to see him back in uniform. If you're a Houston Astro and you break any protocol, like you're a real jerk. I mean, you have to think about your manager and how great it is for the game to be able to see Dusty Baker uh, in a uniform again. How dare you even come remotely close to putting that at risk by being selfish and thinking of yourself. And I just use Dusty and the Astros as an example, but there are plenty of those around the league. So hopefully that's something that at least if for any player that might be close to like, ah, it's just not that big of a deal, that'll start thinking about those things as well and how important uh, it really is to do the right thing. Yeah, well, history of breaking protocols is uh, not really on the Astros' side, as you mentioned there. But <laughs> Maybe the wrong team. <laughs> they take COVID a little bit more seriously than sign stealing, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but spoken like uh, I, I, I was going to say, spoken like a true politician, but CJ yeah. spoken better than any politician in this country right now about how seriously we need to take COVID, and uh, if especially you know for everyone's health, but also if we want to see this thing work. You can't have McDonald's if you want a beach body. That's just how it works. Um, speaking of which, I am very hungry right now. We got to take a quick time out and we'll be back with a whole lot more on what we can expect from this season and whether or not people do believe that the Astros are, are still at fault for the sign stealing or have we moved on? We'll be back after this. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey guys, back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSP. We've got CJ Nikowski, former MLB pitcher, current MLB analyst. So much to talk with you about. Got to get to the, the bottom of this. We have 60 games down from 162, which means a, a completely different way of how to manage a season, of how to uh, just facilitate everything. Is there going to be an asterisk uh, beside whoever wins this World Series? I don't think there will be, but certainly the discussion will be there. Recent history, we get 15, 20 years from now, we're still going to remember what happened in 2020 because of the shortened season. But as you start to get further away, that explanation probably does need to happen, right? The idea of shortened seasons. We've had strike-shortened seasons uh, in the past, 1981, 1995. Not this short. But we don't really talk about it as much, right? And we, even though I think people that know the game well remember that that was the case or things were a little bit different. But this is really extreme, right? This is 60 games. This is 37% of a season. That is significantly shorter than those other couple of years uh, that I mentioned. So I, I don't think you necessarily will see an asterisk in the record book. And every time that it's listed, I think that people that were around for this and that know the game will remember that. But the thing is, you still have to go through the same gauntlet when it comes to the postseason, right? It's still 10 teams. It's still trying to get in as a wild card. Now, there'll be some teams, I think there's a good chance that a team or two 
could get into the postseason that may not have over a 162-game season. Like, our sport, I think, is different than every other sport in the sense that we say things like, well, this roster and this team is built for the regular season, but they're not built for the postseason. We're also different that it's very difficult to be a Cinderella story in our game because over six months and 162 games, I mean, that's an absurd amount of games that we play every year. It's pretty hard to get lucky over that time. Right, you. We've seen there have been teams that have been on runs for four or five months and then don't make the postseason. Our game just does a good job. I guess to call it a good job, but it's just the way it works of weeding those kind of stories out. Now you can barely get in the postseason and go on a nice run, say the way that the Nationals did last year. I mean, they almost lost that wild card game. One bad bounce in the outfield, they won that wild card game, and then they go on to win the entire thing. So once we get into the postseason, yes, there's an opportunity for some Cinderella stories. But usually our game kind of weeds those teams out. Not this year. So this year yeah, it could well, be different, and we'll be having that conversation about teams that got exactly. in and won. Yeah. Usually, you're you, It's like you're you you've you've been working at running a marathon, and now you have to use that same strategy to win a hundred meter dash, right? Yeah. So then you have to imagine that even just the nature of of managing of like how to just do all these things that maybe you wouldn't have the nationals like the Dodgers went thirty and thirty two years ago. Would they have even made the playoffs there in the World Series, right? Mm-hmm. So could you could you imagine and just we don't have a whole lot of time, but can you imagine yeah. um, maybe like a, a, a random team that makes it through? Maybe these guys, the Pittsburgh yeah. Blue Jays, that <laughs> end up making it there just because of the season and how it is. Yeah, I mean it'd be nice for I guess Pittsburgh to finally get a postseason team in baseball for the first time in a while, so they could rally behind the Blue Jays. Yeah. The, the, the Pirates got to be careful; they may lose a couple of fans uh, because the Blue Jays are a young and exciting team. They're absolutely one of those teams that is in that position. I would put the White Sox uh, in that position as well. Probably not a team that would have got in over the course of a full right. season, but might be able to do it uh, over the course of six. You mentioned managing. I think it will be different. Much shorter leashes, right? For your borderline guys, your stars are going to get to play. They're going to be able to work through slumps. For guys that are making. A team, I'll use an example here, uh, looks like a guy by the name of Isaiah Conner-Falefa will be our starting third baseman this year. A non-prospect kid who's worked his tail off to kind of get himself in the mix. If he's off to a slow start, they may go slide Todd Frazier back over there and bring somebody else to play first. So the leash that you once had when you made a team, it used to be maybe sometimes four or five weeks to get a slump figured out. That's probably going to be gone. Um, so that'll be the big difference. But, yeah, there's, there's definitely a chance, which I think, again, is good for our game, that there could be some Cinderella stories and teams that otherwise would not have been in the postseason this year. Yeah. Of course, the inverse is true. A favorite team may end up falling short because they had an injury that they missed a really important piece for three weeks, and then they don't make it. Right, and that injury could even be COVID that could take mm-hmm. a guy out or a couple guys out. We have also that to deal with. Um, before we go to break, the Astros, we mentioned, of course, the biggest one of the biggest stories in sports. And now mm-hmm. we've had all of this time off since that has happened. Also with the Red Sox, too, to a lesser extent, in a way. Um, yeah. are, is that story gone? Like, is that sort of um, we've dealt with it, we've moved on at this point? So they've caught a couple breaks. The Astros definitely have. One, the idea that that's died down some. Two, of course, that there's not going to be any fans in the stands. They were hearing it in spring training pretty significantly. That was only going to get worse during the season. They also caught a break because guys like Justin Verlander were not going to be ready to start the season, and now they will be. Now they are dealing with some bullpen injuries as well, so I guess it's kind of got somewhat uh, full circle. But I, I think that overall they're probably pretty happy. Listen, nobody's happy that this virus is here, but the way that the season has gone down has worked in their favor. So I don't know if we're going to see any of those maybe intentional hit by pitches that we thought we were going to see at least a few of them. It's not as much fun to do that with no fans either, right? Like you want to do that when you're say the Yankees and the Astros coming to New York and you got your home crowd and you'd love to see, it's not going to be Garrett Cole, but you know, perhaps uh, James Paxson, Masahiro Tanaka, you know, throws that one up and tight one to Carlos Correa. Like Yankee fans would eat that up. They would absolutely love it. And the stadium would be really fun to listen to in that moment. That's not going to happen. So I don't know if you can hold it over to 2021. I mean, that's a a pretty impressive grudge to hold. But I think it's going to be significantly less than what we thought it was going to be prior to all this. Yeah, we had Luke Voigt on the show a couple months ago, and he said he would definitely not forget what had gone on. (laughs) So maybe those the guys in charge of all of the fan noises will just have to have some of the really angry fans ready to to go. Maybe they could have the cheers against the Astros ready. Mm -hmm. I think that would be if we're being authentic. It'd be nice. It'd be nice to be able to get it done. I don't know what the that's the other thing. I don't know what protocols are for MLB. Like, can you boo? Can you wipe in booing for certain? Like, you know, you have to be able to wipe in booing. Yeah, no you one's have just to. Going like yay the whole time. We got to get especially some, let's get some when the rivals get up. Of course, like you know, Alex Bregman comes to hit here in Texas. They hammer him every single time. They got to you know make it feel like it usually is for him. Yeah, yeah. Get some chirps. Let's get everyone to record like their their worst ever 
thing that they could say to someone and we'll filter that in. Want to be realistic, right? <laughs> got to be true to the game. Okay, we got to take a timeout. We'll be back with more CJ Nikowski on Drinks and Things. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the Cooligans. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Alexis. Okay, we are two stand-up comedians, and we host uh, the funniest soccer show you've ever seen. That's right. We love talking about soccer. We're wild. We're silly. We have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> but it's a fun ride. And we're on Fubo every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. That's right. Fubo Sports Network. Do it. Like what you're hearing? Check out Drinks with Binks on Fubo Sports Network every Friday night at 8 p.m. Stream it on the Fubo TV app, Roku, Samsung TV, and more. Oh, and don't forget, it's BYOB. Sorry, startup life. Welcome on back to Drinks with Binks with CJ Nikowski. We don't have a whole lot of time left. Got a couple cues I need. Uh, I need your very hard-hitting answers on. And one of them, a little bit more on the serious note, but our former coworker from FS1, now current Giants manager, Gabe Kapler, kneeling during the anthem the other day in support of criminal justice reform. How do you think, uh, what do you think of it? How do you think it was received? Well, for us knowing Gabe, not surprising that he had a really thoughtful statement right after the fact. And I really enjoyed the year that I spent with him. We were also teammates, uh, gosh, back in, I guess it was 99, 2000, uh, before he got traded actually to the Texas Rangers. But uh, so I've always really enjoyed my time with him. I'm glad he is leading another team and getting a chance after Philadelphia and a good time for him. I thought that his statement was really well thought out. I think we'll continue to see some of this around the game, no doubt, in all of our sports. I think the only thing I had wondered about is actually talking, you know, how we cover this thing on television and what is the best way to do it. Because as much as I think everyone should be compassionate to the ideas, it's a great time to be a listener right now. That's kind of the position that I put myself in. Like, there's some voices that need to be heard right now. And so this is the time that we sit back and listen to those voices. But I also had wondered about, you know, if we knew, uh, let's just say in the Texas Rangers situation, that three or four guys had made that decision that they wanted to kneel, I'd almost love to get a heads up on it with a statement that then can accompany it, right? So that if, if players on our team had something that they wanted to say, we'd love to help them get that message across, right? And I know that not everything is going to be well-received and you know, some of the stuff can get a little bit ugly at times, and that's unfortunate. Uh, but the idea of following with a message, I think, is, is really important uh, in these situations because there are some people that will take things, I think, the wrong way. And that's been one of the issues that we've run into is that there's been a little bit of confusion in the message. And so the idea that a player can say, here's what's on my mind, the way that we got to see with Gabe, uh, but from the players' voices, here's why I decided uh, to take a knee. Here's what I want fans to know about how I'm feeling right now. I think that one would be really, really important. I think that one would have the best chance to resonate. So we did not see any of it yesterday uh, or Tuesday night, excuse me, the first game that we had. We'll see what happens during the season. Chris Woodward, very progressive guy, no doubt, is, is I think he comes out of that Gabe Kapler mold a little bit that he's had conversations with his players. He wants to hear what they have to say. He yeah. wants to be empathetic and be able to uh, provide them a platform should they decide that they want to have it. The only thing I wondered about from our standpoint as far as what we do, is there a better way for us to communicate what's on a player's mind and really give them that opportunity uh, to maybe get a message across, especially to the fans, because I know that owners and front office people get super concerned about alienating anybody because we want everybody to watch the game. So I think to me that's a second little component that would fit in really well with this. Right, yeah, and it would help you for being able to broadcast that moment, yeah. um, especially when you're not necessarily prepared for it. Uh, speaking of Twitter, you are a guy that regularly, people would say, wins Twitter because you're very mm. witty and, and you're very thought out. Like, how, what's your method to the madness? We, only, we don't have a whole lot of time left. Well, it's turned into less is more uh, for me lately, just because it's, you know, again, it's gotten a little ugly late. It's not a great time, and uh, people can be really sensitive. And I understand that. I want to be empathetic to that, but I like to joke around. Like, even these times, right, that you have no problem finding your shortage of bad news and, you know, it's raining every day and life is terrible. Like, you can find plenty of that on social media. So I, I try to have some fun. I try to make some jokes if I can. I know they're going to fall flat. There are times where I think I say something that is hilarious and it gets those two likes and that's it. And you're like, gosh, darn it, man, I really like that. That's not funny. That's funny to me. Um, and so that kind of stuff. But I always want to be lighthearted. I never want anybody to take me too seriously and understand my sarcasm. Uh, but I found myself tweeting, actually, just a little bit less because I, I feel like people are, uh, you know, just looking for something to argue about. And so the, the, you know, the things have changed a little bit over these last couple of years. But I, I think that you got to keep it lighthearted. Uh, Self-deprecating, I think, goes well, uh, you know, with fans and, and have some fun. Poke some fun at yourself. Don't think you're smarter than anybody else. Uh, again, be willing to listen a little bit. Like even when I do 
analysts work. And sometimes I try to present things almost like questions or I try to present things as here's a couple of different options and different ways to look at it. And just because I think this doesn't mean that if somebody else thinks a different way that I think that person is a terrible human being and doesn't deserve to, to have a voice. But we do get some of that in social media. So I think yeah, but that's what it is. If you yeah. disagree with me on Twitter, then you should go jump off. Of ah, but I love opposing views. Like that's the thing. Like if I think for people that really care and enjoy it, you know, and want to get smarter or see a different view. Like, let me hear it. Don't shut it out. Let me hear what you have to say. Even on the baseball side, a much lighter topic, right? If we're talking about something about why I think Elvis Andrews should bat second and you're saying he should bat ninth, that, that's fine. Just go ahead and present it to me and, uh, and I'll tell you why you're wrong after. Response and a discussion. <laughs> that is what a wild novel idea in 2020. Completely understand you on that. My drafts are very full with the number of tweets that I would have just put out there and then really regretted later. So I'm yeah. glad that that's not a Can thing. Can I add one yeah. real quick thing to that real quick? It's something that I think I, I would recommend that any potential athlete or current athlete, you know, I use tweet delete and just because things change all the time. So I, no tweet on my account lives longer than three months. So if you want to screenshot stuff and try to burn me later, knock yourself out. I don't think I tweet anything to do that. But I just had come to a conclusion after the way that I see things have gone here. And you can set up any time period. You can make it one year. You can make it one day. But I just have it automatically that even some of the ones that have done well. And like my wife was, you know, had a funny tweet. And she was like, well, I said, it's going to be gone in September. And she's like, don't you want to save it? I'm like, nope. And I just think it's a, probably a smart thing for a lot of people to do. Um, just the idea of digging back in old stuff and trying to make it worse than it actually is. But I think any professional athlete, anybody in the public eye should use it. It's free. I signed up for it. And uh, you'll never see a tweet on my uh, my timeline that's older than three months. Man, had never heard of that before, but I think, uh, I think it would benefit all of us to probably sign up for something like that. No. I've worked for companies that really like to dig through those receipts, and they <laughs> always exist somewhere. Uh, yeah. CJ, we got to go to break. We'll be back um, to say goodbye and uh, a whole lot more. We'll see you after this. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, somebody's going to get punched in the nose by Alec Baldwin. The left and the right pile on his wife, Hilaria, for alleged cultural appropriation. And what our reaction to the death of Gilligan's Island's Mary Ann says about us. Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes drinking and binking with CJ Nikowski with a little bit of coffee and the go Toronto Pittsburgh Blue Jays <laughs> have no expectations, meaning they're going to win the World Series this year. Uh, CJ, where can we find you next? Uh, so obviously the Ranger games, that'll be on Fox Sports Southwest. Of course, those are also on MLB.TV. I'll be doing, I think, 47 of the 60 uh, this year. And then MLB Network Radio, I do a show a couple of days a week. I'm usually in on Tuesdays and Thursdays with Steve Phillips. That's on 7 to 10. Uh, Eastern Time Series, uh, 209 XM 89. And then on Saturdays on that same station, uh, do a show called Loud Outs uh, with Ryan Spielborg. So radio three days a week and uh, a lot of baseball games, as you know, this industry and working in this business, it, it's all about the hustle. So uh, a couple of jobs right now. Um, two might be the lowest I think I've ever had a one. Yeah, one you are industry. always hustling. As when I booked you on this interview, you were like, sorry, I'm short. I'm calling a game right now. I was like, okay, I really apologize for that. Um, always appreciate your insight. Your personality is unmatched, and you have always been a great threat friend through all of the different places that you and I have ended up in very random places right now compared to L.A. Uh, thank you so much, everyone. Make sure you check out CJ Nikowski as well as Fubo Social on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, as well as you can listen to this in podcast format wherever you get your pods. Keep on drinking and binking, bitches. Sports is coming back. At least we think so, and maybe not by the time this airs. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.